Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. Well, we've done it, Vince. We've got to the end of season one and we're talking about episode six, uh, the title of which has just completely escaped me. And grant unto him eternal rest. Oh, it's good thing you said that because I couldn't remember it. Well, <laughs> that's the thing with their episode titles, though. They are a bit... Well, they're not very descriptive of what's happening in the episode, which has been a bit of an issue for me when I'm trying to well, release one and then edit another. No sure one knows what I'm are. talking about. I guess one, obviously, is quite descriptive of what happens. And Grant O'Dayne will turn around. Yes, okay, so you can... Yeah, so you can uh, and extrapolate that they're talking about a funeral. I guess, good luck, Father Ted. That was the kind first one? Yeah. But what is, what does that have to do with the first episode? I can't remember what was the first episode. The, uh, oh, the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. But well, see, good luck, Father Ted is more... Good luck, Father Ted! You will! Good luck! Yeah, I guess I would be thinking that more with the... The lookalike contest. Yeah, which was called competition time. Well, that was explanatory. But I kept thinking that was the lovely girls competition when uh, I saw the titles, the list of the episodes. So, well, some are descriptive and some aren't. Yeah. So it works for some. Well, we're, we're three for zero so far. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, granted him eternal rest, which is obviously um, Father Ted. Sorry, Father Jack has drank uh, floor polish, a concoction of floor polish and alcohol. And he is, uh, he's been prescribed dead at the scene. Prescribed? Uh, proscribed. Proscribed. That's oh, right. What was, what's the word? Uh, pronounced. Pronounced, that's yes. <laughs> Not prescribed. Vince is like my interactive thesaurus, I love it. Uh, so he's pronounced dead at the scene by uh, by the onlooking uh, nun. And we have a few, a few not many, many uh, big characters come into this one. Um, reasonably self-contained. There was some new characters come in. Yeah. Um. One of which we'll see again, but we'll get talking about that as well. Uh. But mostly, I actually want to take this opportunity towards the end to talk about Frank Kelly, who played Father Father Jack, who obviously died earlier this year. So we'll have a we'll have a bit of a tribute to him towards the end then as well. But uh, the first thing we need to go into then um is the opening scene. How how beneficial earplugs are when you're uh, around Father Jack. <laughs> I I love it. It's just a good wee throwaway scene. It is. Well, it's not just a throwaway scene. I mean, if you hadn't seen a Father Ted episode before and you just switched over, uh, you would immediately get that the, there's a big obnoxious priest with loud yeah. mouth and they can't stand him and they just find all their own little solution to deal with the matter. Uh, it shows how much, you know, it, he is a bit of a burden on their lives. Yeah. So uh, so it, it was that. Uh, and, of course, they have a visitor in the house, uh, Sister Monica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Dougal has a wee notion over. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he, you you never really take him for that because he's always quite shy and childish. Yeah. And then obviously, even when he is sort of showing that he has some interest in her, he still looks very childish as well. Well, he's got a sort of uh, preteen sort of shyness, or as I say, awkwardness around yeah. the fact she's a woman. But he still seems to qualify that by, you know, differentiating differentiating all nuns from all women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Because uh, what. He says in one of the previous episodes, it's like they're not real women, something like that, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, um, well, should we play the clip in the episode there? But uh, he said, Don't you love, don't you love uh, nuns, Ted? They're not like real women, yeah. Uh, and even though he just made a joke about her going off to get her makeup done <laughs> to impress the lads, <coughs> yeah. So, um, he clearly doesn't, he clearly has a, a differentiation between nuns. 
and the rest of the world. So I think it can, that can extend then to priests and the rest of men in the, mm -hmm. in the real world. So it, it sort of feels in this little bubble, maybe, of the religious order. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. that. Um, the other thing is like I feel that throughout this episode, throughout the season in general, I feel like him and Ted sort of have a wee bit of a sexist side to them. I think that comes out in a big way in this episode, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does, but like even through previous ones, stuff I've always felt like there's a wee bit of sexism in the two of them. Uh, that would have been uh, that would have been a reflection of a sort of just the time. The time, although Ireland, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> although Ireland isn't, uh, well, it sort of is a very sexist society, but only because the Catholic Church is an extremely sexist exactly. organization, and they have a, an inordinate amount of power, or have held an inordinate amount of power in Ireland since uh, since Ireland gained independence. Mm -hmm. I genuinely think that the Irish society isn't necessarily sexist if you if you manage to divorce the church away from Irish society oh, yeah. uh, I think you know women's football is always you know from proper Gaelic football or Gaelic football fans Gaelic uh, yeah. fans they love women's football and camogie and everything uh, you know ancient Irish cultures like the Celts had women on the battlefield there was no you know stay at home and, and nurse the billions sort of uh, idea to it um, and you know in positions of power there's lots of lots of women although I'm yeah. struggling to think of them but the two two previous presidents to the current uh, president were both women the two, two Marys uh, so yeah I mean I, I generally like I don't think it's a very sexist society like generally they're until the church rears his ugly head I think yeah I think that's the only time it really shows but it definitely they're definitely hinting at it throughout Father Dead yeah, yeah especially whenever you're stuck on like a wee shitty island like that away from proper society so yeah so it can um, it can really just explode their Little prejudices yeah. explode in that in that scale in that scale of maybe we're now London of maybe seventy people or something on it. Yeah, they they really uh, extrapolate that because yes, as we said, um, it really comes out because there's two women they have to come into contact with, and again, this is uh, this is why I thought of, I sort of uh, mixed it up in my head with maybe the lovely girls as well because that will obviously mm -hmm. deal with a lot of sexism. We've already dealt with sexism in last week's episode. Well, it, up to a point, it was more sort of gender politics. Uh, in the episode where oh. Ted fancied the author, yeah. but uh, but yeah, there's another major feminist episode coming up in season two that we'll get talking to. But uh, uh, the solicitor comes in, and she's actually a senior partner in Corliss, Corliss, and Sweeney. Yeah, uh, and she's Sweeney, so she's even named in the in the uh, partnership. But yeah. uh, the reaction of well, firstly Mrs. Doyle to uh, the thought that a woman might actually be a solicitor, never mind a senior partner. Yeah. I mean, uh, she, she was one of the starters snickering, and that's what sets Ted and Dougal off. But all three of them, just the idea of a woman having a position of responsibility or authority. I just can't believe it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that that would be sort of mirrored in the structure of the Catholic Church. Like, mm. I mean, the, the most prominent nun in history is probably Mother Teresa. Well, even like earlier in this episode, whenever Jack is pronounced dead, and Dougal's trying to get her to say the rights, you know, he makes a comment of, I guess... I wore the trousers in the in this in this situation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. Again, that that's a perfect, perfect little uh, composite of it. So you know, I was about to say that the most prominent known is sister, sister Teresa, Mother Teresa, <laughs> but you could name like dozens and dozens. Well, there's been hundreds of popes over the history. Yeah, yeah, and then the, all the bishops and stuff and clergy that you know have got so much more power and responsibility. Whereas you know, Sister Monica, even though she's there and she is a member of religious order. 
it has to be Dougal that does the, the last rites because he's the priest. Yeah. Like, she she is just basically an onlooker in that situation, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's unfortunate it had to be Dougal. Well, exactly. I, well, I thought Dougal did all right. He, he seems to get his uh, ceremonies mixed up. Yeah. He, I don't know why a wedding came to his head first. Do you reckon there's many weddings happening on the island? Yeah, there's very few people. Well, there's yeah. very few young people that aren't actually already... Yeah. Well, actually, no, no, you mention it. I can't think of any young people who aren't priests on the island. Yeah, you don't really see children or anything. You just ones uh, with little blonde hair that are playing, uh, that are playing banjo. Yeah. And uh, that's what it. And Tom. And was it the the only other couple that you see on the island who are already married? Exactly, John and Mary. That's it. And <laughs> so, so I guess he's just dying to do a wedding. Must be. It must be the only thing he wants to do in the priesthood because he doesn't seem to remember anything else. Well, exactly, exactly. Uh, so he went through, and then he decided to say grace and bless the food. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so he goes through a, a, a series of uh, rituals because there is there is enough of them that he's probably had to learn. He just doesn't know when to apply them. Probably because, like you said, a small island, they probably don't do that many things other than normal service. Well, I'd say an island that small does not need three priests. Yeah. It, uh, it could easily be, you know, fully serviced with Father Jack. Probably could have done it all. Right. Pretty much Ted doing it all, I'd imagine. Yeah, he probably. probably doesn't want the embarrassment of Dougal doing it, and Jack doesn't want to do it anyway, as we've seen in the first episode. I'd say, I'd say De- Dougal probably does the, the weekday masses, as in the sort of one PM Wednesday ones. Yeah, when nobody's she, there. Yeah, it's just like one, one <laughs> just or two. Just some old woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas you know, maybe Ted takes all the Sunday eleven o'clock masses. So. Yeah, he takes the big gigs, the matinees, and all. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. The the box office, the box office <laughs> masses. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd imagine that Jack's not doing the weddings because, as we know, he's got quite a bit of history, which he now earned, learned a wee bit more of when it comes to weddings. Because he did a wedding, not not only the one in Athlone, which Bishop Brennan brought up previously, but also the one in, in Clonus. So he's just going around Ireland just uh, sabotaging weddings. Well, yeah, well, the original wedding crasher, really. Everyone has to have their hobbies. Yeah. And yeah. if anybody can crash a wedding, it's going to be a priest. It is going to be a priest, yeah. Um, well, he's already it's gone in like a Trojan horse, really, if the priest crashes yeah. the wedding, because he's already in there. He's, he's been invited, no less. And then is there again, any way to really describe him with anything? Is it? Like, it, you, just, you can't believe somebody like him being a priest. Oh, yeah, you can. I mean, you, you can, but I mean, like, realistically, it's sort of like, it's hidden. Yeah, well, Obviously, was... he's like, he's an exaggeration for the sake of the show, but you wouldn't really see like a priest sitting there, like, covered in dirt and grime and stuff oh, he's doing yeah. himself up but you know Jack even whenever he's meant to be doing things like it shows you the flashbacks he still looks like a mess well when you see the flashbacks um, I was going to bring them up the sepia toned flashbacks uh, they are markedly close to reality I think there oh, yeah. is a very very big uh, but I just mean in terms of his looks well, they, you see, they, they wouldn't have to dress themselves up because A, they were in 1950s Ireland mm. and nobody dressed themselves up. That's and B, uh, he wouldn't be expected to be trying to impress anyone visually. That's very true. Until he, until he puts the robes on and he actually takes to the altar, I would say. Yeah. Uh, he can't look like a mess if he wants, really. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no there's no pressure whatsoever on him to be, you know, presentable. Like, he doesn't, he's not expected to be, you know, suit and tie and be quiffed and everything. Uh so yeah, I get away with those two, uh, but I think what it was with this sort of decay of his person, I think that's more just the side effect of his extreme alcoholism, as opposed to just his, and that just as a sort of uh, a symptom of his way of life or his, his choice of lifestyle. Yeah. 
alcoholism, choice of lifestyle for winners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the sepia tone bits, I mean, I, there were some vicious beatings handed out on a you know, routine basis oh, yeah. in yeah, Christian Brothers schools and in, uh, you know, just in, in schools in general. Um, I mean, I saw the very tail end of it in my school. There was uh, a Christian brother came in and <coughs> he decided that someone who's messing down, the, messing about the back of the classroom, he would uh, sort them out with a good back of the hand. <laughs> and then if you were crying because you had that back of the hand, he'd it hit you again. Yeah, he'd hit you again. What are you crying about? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> good old smack around the back of the head. And he did this, you know, he did this for a good two or three weeks, but it was like it was dealt with very quickly because we were modernizing. Uh, yeah. Like we had Roddy Turney as our uh, as our principal, and he was very much you know of a modern mindset, and he was the one that brought a lot of changes to the school, like the Christian Brothers Noma. So um, props to Roddy there. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to have some of me some of my school ones here today, but they're all down at Bruce Springsteen and Crow Park, you see. So nerds. Well, how, how can you call that nerds? Sure, that's the least nerdy thing you could possibly be doing this weekend. Yeah, probably right. And uh, what did you do this weekend? You were doing streaming video. I was drinking. I was. Weekend. Doing streaming video? No, only today. <laughs> only today's the first time I played a video game. I was drinking Friday and Saturday night, and then yesterday I was sitting, hanging at a barbecue. Here was the barbecue? At Trace's brother's house. I didn't even sit outside, I sat inside because it was colder. Just don't get in the spirit, Vince, you don't get in the spirit. Yeah, I was sick. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll take a quick break here because I just want to cut out what we've spoken about. Um, <laughs> It's like marking a marking testers on them, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was a few things that uh, we've noticed coming up quite a lot. And another one, we've had a few board games here as well today. Yeah, uh, chess popped up in this the one. Chess one did, and uh, we had uh, Ludo again. We've actually seen it, it was actually mentioned again. Oh. So, so this collection of board games they have in the spare room in the house is actually getting quite large. Yeah, and and do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a collection of Dougal's video case collection. Because he must have a huge one because they're all the films he's watched. Yeah. And their board game collection. And uh, also just their, their uh, soundtracks because Dougal is quite a popster, isn't he? He was caught yeah. singing again today. He was singing What's Boy George. If you're a solicitor, then I'm Boy George. And the next thing you see him singing, Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I might make this. Part, I'd walk out to the kitchen then. Oh, had you? Oh, I see. Uh, so I might, make a play- I might make a Spotify playlist of that, uh, of his, uh, his tunes. Music. Yeah. We've got Simply the Best, and we've got Karma Comedian so far. I'm sure there's going to be a few more coming up. It'll probably be a short playlist, but you know. Yeah, be a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but their video collection has got another edition tonight as well. Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. Uh, to quote, not as violent as Jack's other films. So Jack's a real narcissist when it comes to films, because uh, Reservoir Dogs is notoriously violent. Well, I've never seen it. You've never seen Reservoir never Dogs? Seen. Well... I say notoriously violent. It's you know the year scene. Oh yeah. Seven year rule applies. Uh, boy gets his ear chopped off. Torture victim gets his ear chopped off. Yeah. And uh, another one is bleeding to death throughout the entire film. So. Yeah, pretty violent though. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the screen is washed with blood, and except Quentin Tarantino often is um, uh, is sort of obsession with filling the screen as red as possible. Although in in, in QT's defense, uh, I would say that he actually shows how much blood. Is spilled when a gunshot goes into somebody's abdomen, rather than James Bond films, where it's a little trickle on the white shirt. 
Yeah. It's like it's, it's almost an inconvenience, like a jam stain. At least Quentin's actually fucking showing that somebody when somebody bleeds out, it will cover half the floor. Yeah. And it is quite a serious issue. I wish more films would do that, and then maybe people wouldn't be rushing to see Venom films so much. Yeah, they could see somebody getting shot in the gut, and they just like put their hand over it and still shoot at people and all. Yeah. Stuff. Like, if that were me, I'd be on the ground crying like a bitch. Yeah, exactly. When you'd be trembling from the pain, but yet still they can do marksman shots with yeah. you know six bullet Fucking shooters. Yeah, shots halfway across the map. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, the map. Yeah. You just went to video games. <laughs> I was hoping you would just ignore that. And just no. I was over considering it. it, but I thought not to bother. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they walk into into Jack's room, and it's another a new room we've seen in the house as well. So to go with their board game room, did which we, we'll never see. Did we not see Jack's room before, or was that the guest room? It was the guest room, wasn't it? Jack just happened to be in it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you mean this separate episode? Yeah. Which episode was that? Uh, last week's. Oh, okay. Week? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, this one is Jack's, definitely Jack's room. It's got a complete with dartboard with knives and egg stains on the wall. Yeah, it must have been the guest room last week. Yeah, it would, I think it would have been. Uh, but he has his own ensuite. Yeah. Which is, you know, not, nothing to be sniffed at. Considering Jack and Dougal also, or sorry, Ted and Dougal also have to share a bath. And oh, the saying they don't have an ensuite or anything? Yeah. You'd imagine they would have. Yeah. But I guess Jack's the older one. It's more convenient for him. Well, yeah, he probably needs it more because he's probably getting up about four or five times during the night when you, fact, when you combine the fact he's old and he's also. Plus, I'd imagine it keeps him out of their way when he is in there. Yeah, I wouldn't want to use the toilet after Jack. Yeah, I wouldn't. And, yeah, I'd rather go with Dougal. I was even earlier, like I, you could give me a million pounds and I would not even sit in his seat. You wouldn't sit in his, not even sit in his seat. No, not even for a million pounds. A million pounds, I would not. For a million quid. Well. If, it's, if I'm able to like, just sit down and get back up, yeah. Well, a good 10 seconds sit down. Uh, I don't know if I could do it. For a million pounds. No. There has to be some sort of catch. So if somebody offered me 10 grand, I would have taken it. To spend the night there. Oh, that's exactly. <laughs> I would do it, but if they were going to give you like, a million pounds or something, there's going to be some catch. Like You have to sit in it all night, like naked or something like that. Yeah, so and you get over it. all over you. And then you use the million pounds to irrigate yourself. Yeah, the entire million pounds just to clean yourself up. Yeah, well, as long as it's nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, I think that's a it's worthwhile trade. Mm. Uh, but we've yeah we have the uh, they also got on street and we've done that. Uh, but when they stumbled in on him, what? When they stumbled in on him, he it was a very uh, I'm gonna say this wrong, but it was a very lifelike dead Jack, as in it actually did look like he was a dead body. I was looking to see if he was breathing. And you couldn't see him breathing. Exactly, yeah. No, the, the makeup was fucking brilliant. Like, it, it was genuinely, you know, it looked like, okay, that's a dead body. Only it, thing that gave it away that he obviously wasn't dead is when they're putting him back in the jar and you can clearly see him lifting himself up with his legs to put himself in. Uh, I didn't actually notice that myself. Um, I, I, the whole scene, I was looking to see if he had any telltale signs that he wasn't dead. Right, okay. Uh, but he was doing a very good job of proving otherwise. Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, the thing was... The thing with the playing dead is that that uh, Frank Kelly was also well, he was a reasonably old man at the at the time. Mm-hmm. He couldn't ju- he couldn't just go completely limp. I would imagine because something did go wrong. Say if he didn't realize the chair wasn't on him under him, mm-hmm. uh, he could do a hip in or something. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So there has to be some leeway. But you know they, they covered over it. Like, like I said, I wasn't looking for it and I didn't notice it. You only mm-hmm. noticed it because you were looking for it. So yeah, um, I mean I think they did I think they did really well with that. Oh, and uh, there's always like you always see death scenes in all films where the person's laying on the ground 
and you can very clearly see them breathing. Yeah, it's yeah, it does get annoying. Yeah, yeah, and I think they they even play up to that at the end when spoiler alert, he rises from the dead. Oh no! Uh, but you know, Ted's saying it's uh, this little poem. In fact, I'll just play the poem now, and uh, the, the reaction of when uh, Jack wakes up. But as Ted was saying that poem, you could actually see in the background the uh, the, the coffin was breathing, or the person in the coffin was breathing until it sort of went out of frame. When he was saying the poem, yeah, the end, just before Jack rises, yeah, the coffin's empty. Was it? Yeah, it's panning down, and you, that's I was looking out for that because I was like, I obviously knew the ending. So I was looking to see, can you see whenever Jack has obviously risen? And at that point, the coffin's completely empty. Oh, okay, So right. they kind of actually already showed you what was going to happen. Yeah. That's you it. were looking for Right, okay. So, yeah. Well, I knew what was going to happen, so I was looking out that yeah. time. Um, yeah, double check it. It's completely empty. Well, I'll look back on it then. And, uh, well. So what I like about it, because this one has, uh, we've said before, like, they have a lot of like background things. If you're not looking out for them, you'll probably miss them. That's one of them in this episode. And the other one is in a much earlier scene, which isn't so subtle, but it is until it actually starts happening. But I'll let you come into that at some point. No, no, go ahead. Speak of speak of. Oh, just uh, whenever Father Ted's sort of trying to console one of the other priests who's very emotional. Oh, yes, I know you're chatting and, about uh, The other one, I don't remember his name. He obviously doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and you can just see him in the background very casually climbing up on the bookcase and then all of a sudden going nuts throwing books everywhere. The you're right, okay, so the senior senior speaking about is uh, I don't <laughs> think I don't think Father Faye. Father Faye? Father Faye who uh, who thinks that Jack could have become a Pope. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll play that. So I don't know, do you think Jack could have become the Pope? Fuck no. No, I do not <laughs> well, Father Faye seems to think so and he's not yeah. too impressed with the idea of a Polish Pope. Uh, yeah. And so Father Faye was, uh, it, it was a very brief uh, visitation by Father Faye. Yeah. What do you think of him as a character? Um, I quite like it. I quite like the, what's the priest called? The one from the competition. Um, Barty Dunn. Yeah, who's constantly laughing. At I thought it was too similar to Barty Dunn, I thought. But I think, I think you do get people like that in life. You've always got the person who finds everything hilarious, and then you've always got someone who just gets fucking emotional at everything. Yeah. Like, their fucking napkin rips and they're distraught over it. Yeah. You know, that kind of shit. And you, you do get people like that in life, so I, I, I'm kind of alright with it. Well, Especially when they're only ever going to be, like, quick appearances. Yeah, like, like I said, it was a very quick visitation. Um, it did have some great lines, though, like... Mm -hmm. Oh, it's always the good that die young. Well, a Jack's not young, and he was he far, from, not good. far from good. And he turned around to the heavens. You bastard! <laughs> and he, uh, as I said, he's not impressed by well a lot of the racial makeup of the world because uh, the fucking Jesuits have it all tied up. Now I've listened back to this about three or four times. I'm not convinced he doesn't say fucking there. I think he does. It, Definitely, it's too quick to sort of decipher, but it doesn't sound like he's saying it's like feck like they normally do. Yeah, so. Yeah, unless, because they also have another moment later on where they kind of. Yeah, Dougal brings it up. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm wondering if maybe they've sort of tried to get him to say it really quickly in a way that it comes across as almost saying it. Um, Possibly, yeah, so that, he, that he's not quite said the F word. Uh, he's, saying, he's saying fucking like. Or I said feckin', sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. They, say, like, they clearly 
they clearly had an artistic decision to not say swear yeah. words. Uh, well, not say them that extremely, anyway. And well, they avoid the really harsh ones. Yes, yeah, they, they fucks in the comments and, and, and etc. and so on. Yeah, the, the ones. They do say shite quite a lot. Uh, they do say bastard, obviously. We've just heard it. Um, feck. Feck, which is, you know, it's, it's nothing more than Ireland. Like, it's, yeah. uh, it's no worse than damn, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they, they steer away from the very extreme ones, although they do pepper them in at very specific locations. Yeah. Uh, and it does actually make them much funnier. And even as the moment you were mentioning there with Dugo, when he, was about, when he was talking about the solicitor, got angry at their patronizing sexism. And she goes, oh, it was, it was hard. Ted said, oh, it was horrible. She was effing this and, and effing that. And he goes, no, no, it was much worse. She was playing him. But, <laughs> uh, so, like, the fact that they're they're teasing that, everyone knows what he's about to say. But yeah. it's the fact that Dougal's about to say it and Ted has to has to uh, shoot him down quite, really quickly, cut him off. Yeah, that's what makes the joke. And it does make it genuinely laugh out loud funny because of the characters yeah. and everything. Um, but they've gone through a right tour of Ireland this week uh, with their, you know, the places they reference. So they've gone to Clonus, which is in Monaghan. They've gone to Fermanagh, where the Holy Stone Clan record originated from. Uh, but it wasn't doing much business up there. There's too many Protestants around listening to and places. They're not going to get, they're not going to get too many, uh, you know, papal uh, visitors in Fermanagh. Are they? Not no. in the mid nineties. No, no, I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, I do. It's, it's sort of my part of the world. Not, no. not quite. But uh, I'm from Toronto. Obviously, Fermanagh's neighbouring. In fact, this is all of my around my way because it also mentions the priest from Donegal. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how would I know I'm from Donegal? <laughs> I, I love that because they don't shy away from obviously they don't shy away from sexism and stuff, but there it's very blatant racism on her part. Uh, well, she was clearly basically she missed it. She was chatting to a black priest and she assumed that he was an African missionary. Yeah. And he had no idea what was going on in the African Rather missions. Than being the, it's yeah, a racist assumption. So yeah, it's, like, it's not it's, her doing it in a malicious way. She's just exactly. assuming, oh, he's black, therefore he's from Africa. Yeah, and you know, back in the in the mid nineties in Ireland, you know, it was a very very monocultural society, mm. uh, in that, you know, Paul McGrath and Phil Lynott were the only sort of famous black people for a very long time, um, and. Uh, I mean, there was there was other sort of uh, uh, there was other examples as well, but like at that point, like those were the only two prominent figures, uh, and since then, obviously, it's become a bit more representative of Ireland, and yeah. Ireland itself has become a lot more multicultural in the last twenty five years or twenty years. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if you, if you saw if you saw a black priest, you know, it wouldn't be a massive uh, a massive assumption to have to jump to to assume he's from Africa. Yeah, uh, back in the nineties, but. She still did it. And it was more of a sort of awkward rather than malicious, as you say. Yeah, because what I like about that as well is she's obviously been talking to him and he hasn't said a word yet. Mm. So she hasn't realised that he's from... Uh, right enough, yeah. You should hear the accent on him immediately. Yeah. And speaking of accents, uh, where do you reckon Sister Monica was from? I was trying to place I don't it. No. See, when I was trying to place it, I was thinking for mana. And I can I can genuinely can't tell if it's a put-up-on accent, which is a, a yeah, hat to the actress. she's got like a bit of a... Further north, I'd say. Yeah, well, definitely, it's definitely. I think it's supposed to be in the six counties, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it, it, you can't tell if maybe she's from the north and she's putting on a southern accent, a little bit, or if she just is from somewhere further north. Because you can hear like hints of, I say you can hear a bit of a hint of like a Belfast accent and stuff under it, and just some of the words. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's see a Belfast accent. I find hard to, hard to ascribe to anyone because, for such a tiny city, there's loads of accents. That I can't actually define one as what is a Belfast accent. 
I think the stereotypical one is the West Belfast accent. It gives a gives a few bars of that. Oh fuck. Um hey, what the fuck do you mean, mate? That kind of thing. Right, okay. So that's, that's like stereotypical West Belfast accent and that's the one I think a lot of people jump to here. Yeah, that's that's exa- well if if you know, if you're to have like a sort of down like down and out sort of narrow well, that would be the accent you put on, I suppose, yeah. Mm. Um but like you go to South Belfast and it's a completely different Yeah, yeah, you got a, you got quite a soft accent and then there's there's a sort of plummy, sort of Lisbon bottom of Lisbon Road accent as well. Yeah. And you know, there's North Belfast and East Belfast have slightly different accents and stuff. And it's it's a city of a few hundred thousand people. Like how does do they really talk that much? They've developed like six different accents within within the boundaries. Like, because they're all separated for so long. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> true. In the interacting merge. Yeah, it's, it's island <laughs> gigantism in accent form, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've been held off from peace walls for too long. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, the Holy Stone Crown Rickers uh, has been mentioned probably for the first time. Mm-hmm. Very nice combs on it. And they do sell very nice combs on it. Uh, Ted and Dougal both got a comb, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And Dougal has it on his sleeve, so he's subject of a Shania Twain song of 1998. I never met a man who carried a mirror in his pocket, a comb in his pocket and a mirror up his sleeve just in case. Same. I've got the lyrics wrong, but I'll, I'll play yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. I'm going to try and correct you because I don't know them either. Uh, so. Clearly Shania Twain had Dougal in mind then, but that's what we know. Yeah. Uh, and she feels like a woman because of it. So see, it's sexual politics coming full circle here, <laughs> through through the wonders of uh, Irish sitcoms and Canadian Great. soft rock, soft country rock. Uh, but uh, the Holy Stone and record, of course, will come back in a much more prominently in a later episode. So it's it was dull, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, I knew it couldn't be something that they just passed over. It, it's the first mention of it. I've, as I said, it's a, it's a major storyline in the next in another episode. Mm-hmm. Whether they mention it in between, uh, we'll have to find out. Uh, but. Yeah, it's just another little, it's another thing to put on the universe of yeah. Father Ted, just to add sort of depth to it and stuff, and it does it does work really well. Uh, so yeah, we'll see see more holy, more of the Holy Stone soon. And another first mention, Ted admits the money was resting in his account. So is this the first mention of it? The, there was only one episode I missed, so I don't know if I got mentioned. Uh, the, the, no, well, Len brought up the fact that he had taken the money. But, but never, this is the first line of it was resting. resting in my account, which will of course become the the definitive line of uh, what happened to the Lord's money. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we ever. I don't think we ever do get the full details of it, but it's it's the first time he's used that phrase. Yeah. Uh, he was just holding on to it while it was. He was getting a good long rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but uh, speaking of money, Jack's personal wealth is five hundred thousand pounds. Well, yeah, I was trying to work out how he could have possibly had that because they obviously start talking about it at the end and. Ted saying things like, you know, well, he, he wouldn't really, he avoided charity, and uh, he probably saved a lot, but I can't really remember specifically what Ted was saying, because it just said it, I wasn't paying that much attention at that point, um, but, yeah, it's like, how could a priest, who's obviously that incapable, and spends all his money on booze, well, have 500,000? I was going to offer a few explanations, well, so first, first thing, he earning you know, a priestly salary for what, 30, 40 years, possibly even 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this would have been in the time when he would have had decent parishes, so he could have got quite a good collections going Yeah. with very full churches. And I guess, even though he's, from what we can see, he's a bit of a scumbag, really, like he seems to be highly regarded to some degree in the church. 
Well, it's just because, as I said, longevity of a priest in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, he would, yeah, he would have made quite a tidy sum. He wouldn't have had to pay any rent or accommodation fees because True. he would have lived in a parochial house. Um, he, uh, yeah, as I said, he doesn't donate anything. <laughs> he doesn't have any dependents because he's a priest. Yeah. So yeah, the alcohol, uh, when we were only dependent. Well, <laughs> Derm, uh, who did episode three with me, uh, he worked in a pub and he mentioned there was a tradition of going to the pub and well around Christmas and uh, give a give a glass to the priest and ask her to keep the bottle when they're on their way out. So if ten people in a town are doing that, you know, mm-hmm. he could do a week just weekly run once every day and just get a bottle <laughs> the whole time. He wouldn't even have to spend that either. Yeah. So he would just be accumulating like money. Plus I mean the whole premise of this episode is that he has died from drinking floor polish. So he's finding alcohol in other means. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't necessarily have to go to the, uh, the premium vodka or the <laughs> Russian standard or anything. As long as there's just a hint of alcohol, he's Yeah, <laughs> he'll go for the uh, Tesco own value white label print stripper gin if it needs to be. No. Wait, that's one hell of a hangover. That's it. Well, yeah, if you're dead. Yeah, like dead for yeah. two days or something. <laughs> well, five days or something. Well, well, you have the three in Irish culture. Uh, yeah, you got the Irish and culture, yeah. and then, you know, one day or before it and then the day where he's meant to get buried. Yes. So yeah, roughly four or five days. Well, uh, in the Catholic culture, you're supposed to do it in three days. Right. So if you, if today is Monday, if you die today, Vince, or if I die today, Thanks. touch wood. Elbows already on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd be buried on Wednesday. That'd be a part. good life. Yeah. Not have to worry about bills anymore. Well, you don't have to worry about them. You're just conditioned into thinking you do. That's Don't my opinion. Worry. That's why I don't. That's why there's a big pile of letters in the corner that uh, <laughs> just uh, routinely ignored. Uh, become a priest, and you don't have to worry about anything other than never having sex. Yeah. Even then, you got a hand. Well, but that's a sin. That's the sin as well. Yeah. So uh, you, yeah, <laughs> you can't do anything. <laughs> but uh, so the money. Still been drink though. Yeah. Well, you can drink plenty, and uh, at that point, sure. What, what yeah. more do you need? <coughs> and it's sort of a form of acting as well, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Believing in someone that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and they're preaching at the pulpit and everything. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, do those words rise as an Hang on, wait for the live Yeah, true, I'll just read through this. Uh, Pop! How was your mind, Jay? The Rooster Teeth podcast? You'd be listening to that and you would hear like trucks and all going past and like sirens and shit. Oh, really? And they were like, because they would all talk so much they didn't have a chance to edit them out. Ah, I see. So they just fling it straight up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll go back to the last rites, though, because I do want to bring uh, more of Dougal's, uh, uh, Dougal's rituals up. When he's trying to make up some prayers, he mentions <laughs> Costa Curta and Baggio. <laughs> do, do, those name, do those names mean anything to you? No. <laughs> well, Costa Curta is in the AC Milan Hall of Fame. Uh, he's a famous Italian footballer, and also a famous Italian footballer is Roberto Baggio. Uh, he missed a he missed a crucial penalty in the nineteen ninety four World Cup. So those two players would have been very prominent. Yeah, very relevant uh, against in that time. Well, it goes back to Dugo Sirius is obviously a football fan, and clearly what I can gather from this is he watched Football Italia, which for people of a certain age, the early 19, early Saturday mornings in the nineteen nineties meant Football Italia, mm. uh, where we, we would have seen all these guys. And also the Ireland jersey he wears. Yeah, he's always wearing that. It's usually his uh, 
that time Google. Yes, uh, and that jersey was the jersey that the team wore when they played against Italy oh. in the '94 World Cup. So it it all ties up nicely. So it's clear again, they're just see that's that's quite good. That's sort of I don't want to say character development, but it kind of is. Yeah, it's, like it's just running out the character. Out yeah. Him wearing a jersey and uh, you know just two names that you mentioned. Yeah, and how much you got out of that. Well, yeah, I, th- I think I generally think that was those kind of things were intentional. Like they could have, he yeah. could have named any two footballers from the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and the jo- like it wouldn't have there wouldn't have been as many connections. Whereas that you, it does add little layers to them. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, you know, I, I remember what I was when Ireland played Italy in the ninety four World Cup. Like it was a, it was a great oh, yeah. match. Uh, it was it was at my granny's house and Ray Houghton. I'd, I'd never actually watched soccer before. I was always at the Gaelic football. Yeah. Uh, I'd never watched soccer before, and uh, Ray Houghton just uh, hit a, a random hit and hope shot that actually went in over the goalkeeper's head. It was, it was actually a nice curve on the ball, but I don't think he meant it to be as perfect as it, <laughs> as it went. But that's uh, the kind of moment where afterwards, like, oh, I totally meant it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Paul McGrath had, a, had an intense game, considered one of the greatest performances in an Ireland jersey, keeping the entire might of the Ar- Italian team out of the, out of the Irish goal. It was it was brilliant. Right, uh, going back to Dougal doing the last rights. Um, is it, is it the last rights? Yeah. Um, obviously, you're saying like he, he's just throwing in random names and stuff there, but I like the, the again physical things he's doing that show how incapable of being a priest he is when he's going to bless himself and he's going like both hands. He doesn't know which hand yeah. he should do it with, and he just does both to be sure. So which hand is it, Vince? Uh, left hand. No. Right hand. Your left hand, wherever. You where are you supposed to put it? Your left hand. I was about to say it's the right hand you do all the movement with. I think you meant to put it on your chest. I've never done that. I've always had know. it on just just below my belly button. Yeah, but uh, it's meant to be right hand, isn't it? That does the actual blessing. Yeah. Because it's like right hand up to God. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. When you're swearing allegiance to the Bible, that you have an well, optional life. I was going to say, when you were trying to convince someone, you were telling the truth as a kid. Yeah, he's right hand up to God. Yeah. You you try to. Be smart about it and put your left hand up and see which idiots didn't notice. And how many times you get away with that? Never. <coughs> Did you ever lie when you went to put your left hand up to God? Your right hand up to God? Yeah, I always have my left hand up. <laughs> you always did? Yeah. But you still told the truth? No. no so you... I'm just joking. <laughs> you completely ruined that joke. <laughs> uh, well, you have to put, if you put your right hand up to God or you put your right hand in the Bible in court, definitely in American court, I'm not sure if that's still a traditional English court. Because isn't it? Oh no! Yes, it's right. No, you're right. Because they're standing, they're standing to the left. Yeah, and you put your left hand on, you put your right hand up. That's right. Yeah, sorry. So you put your right hand up to God. Mm-hmm. So what happens to a one-armed man? Is he just assumed to be a liar? <laughs> like it's a can't prove him wrong. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you have to just take his word on. Well, that's what they're doing anyway, and uh, can they just like raise a sleeve for him or something? Well, I don't think so, but you know, it's uh, well. There's got to be like there's usually some sort of bone there, isn't there? I'm sure it can wiggle or something. But well, it, 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 I'm just making the point that it's a very well, stupid. Or if he puts his left hand on, you could get an erection. What on the Bible? No, no, no. He puts his hand on the Bible, not his dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to point out that it's a very stupid way of clarifying that somebody is entirely honest. But then there's no foolproof way of telling people are honest. Yeah, it's true, and it's sort of an issue I have with the court system. That but that's the thing, that's why you got to take all the evidence and try and work it out and go, like, okay, I never know. Well, is it, if, uh, if say, the court case came up, let's say uh, Tom 
was actually uh, tried for murdering him. Well, well, to be fair, he confessed it. <laughs> well, he confessed to Ted, but not in a confessional, so Ted can still bear witness. Exactly. Uh, but let's say, let's say he confessed to Ted, but actually the evidence pointed out it was somebody else, and he was just, you know... Just nuts. Yeah. Does Ted's testimony then become... Well, no, because they still take the evidence into consideration, and Ted's testimony would be evidence. And what if... But the thing is, anybody can say anything, so they have to take that and take some truth from it, but then if it proves everything else points different, then they can just go, well, he was clearly not in the right frame of mind when he said that. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's actually a wider a wider issue of jurisprudence that I have an issue with that I probably shouldn't be extending in the podcast. What you got to take into consideration there is, he may not have killed the man they were looking for, and he might have been confessing about another man to Ted. Well, that, that's actually true. It could be there's a massive crime spree going on in, in Craig Island, yeah. and the murder that that uh, Tom was confessing to wasn't actually the murder he was reading about on the paper that day. Plus, he doesn't seem overly violent. Like, I mean, he's obviously fucking nuts and stuff, but, yeah. like, you know, was it last week's again? Yeah, last week's whenever uh, he's given Ted a lift. And he runs into the post office and steals his him. money. Yeah. <laughs> but it was his money, he just didn't want to go through the paperwork. Yes. Supposedly. We, we didn't actually speak about that much last week. I thought that was going to be a much longer uh, conversation. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he clearly does have dodgy intent because Ted said you're up to your old tricks again. So he's obviously done it before. Yeah. He just doesn't want to go through the, the hassle of paperwork. And I can sort of sympathise with him. Yeah, but it takes two minutes. Do you do paperwork to withdraw money? Well, if you're doing it in a bank. Well, it, you can assume he doesn't have ID. That's very fair point, yeah. Like, so how is he going to prove it's his money? With a shotgun. Well, <laughs> that's not how he proves it. That's just how he gets access to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tom. Hopefully you see Tom again soon. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, uh, Dougal doesn't even, let the, doesn't even let the body go cold, although the body is cold. But he doesn't let, uh, he doesn't let the body go cold until... Uh, before he's impersonating Jack, before he's taking a piss out of Jack, <laughs> as we'll find out here. So, Dougal likes his little private moments when he thinks nobody's looking at him. Yeah, it's came up a few times. Obviously, you had all with simply uh, the best earlier, and then obviously this moment, Jack's no longer in his seat, so he's taking advantage to have a bit of fun. Yeah, and he does get a dig into Ted as well. Yeah, which <laughs> I think is the best thing about. Yeah, I think he was channel- channeling some uh, inner thoughts he's have his own mm-hmm. through. His impression of Jack, uh, and uh, there's another more about Dougal's not being not been on board with things in the Catholic Church as we've already completely established. It's not even it's not even a doubt anymore that he's he's not totally on board when he asks Ted if he believes in the natural life, <laughs> as we've shown here. So, do you believe in the natural life, Ted Dougal? Ted Dougal. Vince, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I'm not even embarrassed about forgetting people's names anymore because I've been listening to a West Wing podcast and they've interviewed two actors from the show and they have real difficulty remembering their own cast members. Yeah, but I'm your friend. Yeah, but they were working together for seven years. I know, but they're going to be working together calling each other by character names. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> I'm your friend. Yeah, but... Uh, I, I was did... drinking with you on Saturday. Yeah, I know, but uh, uh, I did it to Ash as well when I called him Dougal. And I'm doing it to Ted and Dougal and Mrs. Doyle. You called, you called the English person by an Irish person's name? Yeah, and then bridging and bridging the gap. I'm, yeah, I'm doing more for unified. Yeah, I'm doing more for British Irish Anglo British Anglo Irish relations than anything <laughs> before. But to answer your question, no, I don't believe in that. You don't. Uh, uh, I think it's a little bit baloney. 
And was there any great epiphany moment or anything with that, or was that just die? It all shuts off. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same. I've no great unless of course I die and there actually is an apocalypse. Then yeah, I'll believe it then. But until then, as far as I'm concerned, you die and everything goes black. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm pretty much the same. Worms crawl inside you and shit. The the return on that would be just the devil's advocate to play it is, uh, but is that not is that all you can tr- trust in? Is that all you can believe in? How can you not have something else to work towards? Why do I need anything else? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that, well, it's been... Just focus on now. Exactly, yeah. Why the fuck do people... I was actually going to bring this up a, a different way around, but Jack has saved a 200 or half a million pound, mm-hmm. and he, he just fucking leaves it in his will, like. Yeah. Why do people fucking save that much money? Like, okay, I can understand saving to buy a house or something, uh, and doing that, but why do people fucking save like hundreds of thousands of pounds and then turn around retire when they're well, 75 in the case of and Jack, have a shitload of money that you can't actually fucking enjoy in the case of Jack it seems like he hasn't got anybody else it seems to be he's only got Ted and Dougal he's quite old so I will I will discuss will be dead. Uh, that's, uh, so it seems like he's probably been saving that money throughout his life intending on leaving it to somebody else like maybe friends family like you know maybe a nephew or a potential Child. Yeah, we, we don't know his extended but family. No, he's only got Ted and Dougal, so he's left it to them. But that's why a lot of people would do stuff like that. But, like... And for I, me, I'd be like, fuck, he's all I'm spending it. Yeah, I mean... It's like, it's my fucking money. This, it's it's just this fucking... Life's too short. This society, and the way people are conditioned into, you know, having a job for 30 years and just putting up with all sorts of fucking bullshit mm-hmm. for 80% of their working week, at least 80% if you include, and probably more if you include fucking travel and getting ready for work and all this. Well, like, if you look at me and my job, I was going to work, but I, for maybe three months there, there was a new department I was working in, and I couldn't leave it at the door. I couldn't just, like, you know, walk out and shut off from work. I was worried every day going home, so even, like, I was getting, not sleeping or anything. Uh, it's bleeding into so, your actual life then yeah, as well. exactly. And, and that's for a lot of people, especially in high-stress jobs and stuff. Obviously, a priest isn't going to have that, but I mean, he's just got to worry about not diddling. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, yeah. And even then, he doesn't really have to worry about it, because they're just going to sh- shepherd him off to another parish yeah. where nobody knows. Um, but, but yeah, like, it takes so much of your life when you worry about it, and then you're dead. And Yeah, and then you're either, uh, either you die the fucking shitload of money that you've never had to use and the you know the upper classes are fucking sitting there laughing their heads off because they've made you do all their donkey work while they sat in their yachts mm-hmm. or you know you've you leave it in a pension to some ungrateful little shit of a kid and <laughs> <no>. <laughs> or or you're just retired and you've you know you can't go freaking hang gliding when you're retired like can you well, you can it wouldn't it's really recommend, not recommend it. yeah <laughs> uh, I mean, you can do anything i mean you know, people always go, well, no, you can't kill a man. It's like, well, no, I fucking can. I just shouldn't. Yeah. Well, could you? As in, like, well, I don't know would you I, have the physical I don't attributes? think I could, but you know what I mean. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's just, it just irks me that, you know, everyone, like, I'm considered sort of the, the weirdo because I don't live my life under those sort of, um, you know, guidelines. Yeah, but you're probably better for it. You're probably a happier person than what I am half the time. Well, I mean, I can't, I, I, I can't enjoy myself because I don't have the money. You know, I would like to have more money, just to, to be able to, it. yeah, just to, yeah, just to be able to spend and to do stuff. And you know, if if somebody's going on a trip, I wouldn't like to have to. I don't like having to, you know, consider fuck. Do I have to do this and what do I have to give up? Yeah. I'd like to just not have to worry about that sort of stuff. But, you know, I see people and they're scrimping together and saving, you know, say four grand a month of their salaries and stuff and. 
you know, what is the point? Like, you want <laughs> to what end? Mm-hmm. Like, when do you actually want to sit there and spend that money? Yeah, they'll buy some like flashy car when they're fifty, mm-hmm. just to just to fill a like gaping gap in their, uh, you know, in, in their fulfillment because they've just been, their life is now defined by the office they show up to. Like, it's yeah. yeah. Well, that's my little rant over, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll play another. Well, actually, I'll stick that in somewhere else. A gender studies class. James is a message to yourself. But in the gender studies class at from fourteen forty two at the feminism discussion. Uh, I'm actually, getting through quite a lot of this. We're forty eight minutes, so I might just wrap this up. Oh yeah, I, I did. Well, having said all that about money, if you had half a million pound, what would you do with it? Um, the first thing is buy a house outright. Okay, well, let's assume that you've got the responsible stuff out of the way. So you got five hundred. You've got all your stuff sorted. And right. Now you just got an injection of five hundred grand from Father Jack's will. Well, you know, I like all my gaming stuff, so I big ass gaming room, make a big fuck off, amazing computer rig, get whatever consoles I want and all for it, and have a big wall just dedicated to board games. See so yeah, that uh, board games. No, right. that's obviously not going to take up 500 grand. See, that, that to me is unambitious. Because, like, as you say, that wouldn't be that much. That might be 20, 25 grand, but maybe. Then it would also build a recording shoe. Okay. Like a proper recording shoe, because I love music as well. And get whatever instruments I want in it. And, like, especially a really nice drum kit and stuff. But that would be where the bulk of it would go. And then the gaming room would be, like, my little side thing for me. Um, so I can get away from treason. To get away from her? And I guess. Just loads of coke. <laughs> <laughs> Scarface amounts of coke. Is that, that's what Ted probably would do. Well, not coke, but like start frittering it away on vices. Yeah. If he got that, like, well, he demonstrated it in his little uh, imagination clips well, there. He's just going to go to Vegas and throw out to all the cash. It's not stupid, but like my vice would probably be video games or board games. If I have a little bit of extra money, I'll buy a board game. Or mm-hmm. buy a video game. Well, at least you have that then. See, that's the thing. Yeah. You still have that. You brought over like four or five board games over there. Yeah, still like, carry around with you. I'm sure you. Have. I don't just carry them around with me. No, I'm well, playing them the night before. <laughs> I don't just go out and buy. Go here, look at this. He's, well, no, he's serious. He's a traveling board game salesman. He carries them around. <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I would build an indoor waterfall. Why? So, so that uh, this is this is my you know fucking pipe dream. So that in the mornings, instead of going through all the bullshit of showering and all that sort of shit, you just before you even you know. I can I can program it into my subconscious brain. Just get out of the bed and just fall in and go over the waterfall and that's me shard and shaved and everything. Well not shaved obviously but But is that you shard? Where's the shampoo coming into it and the conditioner and I can be easily piped into the, the water. I'll be bald mostly. I can keep my hair short. <laughs> Don't like that image. So within four within four seconds I'm showered. But I, do you not enjoy a shower? Not particularly no, it's part of the routine just I love showers. What do you love about them? Again, it's hot water, it's relaxing, it wakes you up. No, I don't find that. Do you get stressed out in the shower? Do you I get, get stressed out? Like, oh, can I get this shampoo out in time? I'm going to be late. No, it's, it's just something you sort of have to do. I don't know. It's part of my it's part of routine. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like It's just, it's just a, a box you have to take on your way down your to-do list. Yeah. Day. Um, it's not something... Where's that? Going over a waterfall every morning? How, how awake would you be at the bottom of that waterfall? But then... After a while, you're going to get bored of it. It's like if you had, a, say, your day trip every day to work, which you had to take a ferry, and on the way there was dolphins. First few days, you'd be like, oh, look, dolphins. And then after a while, you'd be like, oh, there's fucking dolphins again. And well, it's going to be like that. You're you wouldn't be annoyed fall. by the dolphins because they're no, not actually No, you're not going to be annoyed, but it's not going to be as exciting. 
So what you're going to do is for your first month, you're going to go into this waterfall and be like, Wee! Having the time of your life. Fucking sirens. And it's far enough away. And then, for the first month, you're going to be loving it. And then eventually it's just going to be like, now that's your routine. And it's like, oh, now I've got to go yeah, into this waterfall. If you have that much money, spare money, the extraordinary necessarily becomes ordinary anyway. So, so you got to find a way to spice it up every time. Like every month, change the layout of the waterfall in some way. Well, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Maybe have... Like maybe it's a waterfall for the first one, and then for the next one it's a tube. Add some fish or sharks or something. Yeah, make it exciting. Yeah, add sharks to it. <laughs> every every month there's a new dangerous animal in it. Just by the end, it's like uh, <laughs> it's like Lance Murdoch's uh, jump from The Simpsons, the evil Knievel character. I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, he does crash, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he he does a motorbike jump over the tank, and there's sharks and yeah. electric eels and a an African lion. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> that. Uh, but uh, Ted and Dougal's thoughts turn to murderousness when they realise that Jack hasn't actually gone for good. Yeah. And I like how they're trying to pass it off very casually as if, you know, just, oh, we're doing this for the house. Yeah. Uh, oh, it'd be very comforting when, when he's gone. Uh, and <laughs> we'll just get some more floor polish because clearly they do a lot of polishing the floor, I doubt, because it, A, the place looks awful. B, Mrs. Doyle will be covering all that anyway. I'm yeah. sure it's her that buys all the house supplies. And C, um, yeah, they're clearly just planting that so Jack will find it. Yeah, yeah, because that's what they say is that, uh, oh, well, and we can just leave it conveniently around the house so we never lose it. Yes, yeah, exactly. So they're giving themselves just enough of uh, just enough of an indemnity on the murder by saying, we just had a lot of polishes around. But isn't that like a bit of a hint towards human nature? I mean, you think about it, if you were that close to half a million and then the person that ended up didn't die, wouldn't you be in your head Thinking to some degree, like, but what if they had a win? And how long to legal? Well, I studied law, and one of the modules I was had to do was medical law, and it was I found it very difficult because they couldn't name any any of the parties to the cases, so it was mm. just A versus the yeah, it would be A versus B T or something, and and or the medical uh, the medical council of Essex or something like that. Yeah, but um, there was a lot of issues with families pulling the cord or wanting to pull the cord mm-hmm. on, a, on a life support machine and a lot of the time the reason it went to court was because basically the person was in a permanent vegetative vegetative state yeah as in they weren't getting any better they were never going to get any worse unless the pull was this cord was pulled basically just want to access the will yeah and um, now it might be a necessity thing uh, it may just be greed mm-hmm. that that was uh, driving them on but it's yeah, as you said, it is human nature and it does. Like, they clearly have that glint in their eye now. Yeah. Uh, they're not. Re- I don't think they get any worse than sort of giving him enough rope to hang himself. But yeah, exactly. It's like they wouldn't force feed him out or anything. Yeah. But they would have enough of it around that he may just casually find it. Yeah. But he does have a, a notion to do that. Well, clearly, yeah, clearly he's already been in the toilet duck and uh, the, the Castrol GTX. <laughs> and now... I love the toilet duck. The toilet duck. Yeah, that'd be a great, that'd be a great uh, drink to be shooting, though. Toilet duck, because they've already yes. got the spotted leg. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, if Paul Gaza was doing the electric, or the electric chair, the dentist chair again, you know, you'd have the, uh, you can hold the toilet duck beside you mm-hmm. while everything else is on top, on top of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, toilet duck, should we drink more of that? But the other thing I was going to say, 
it's not going to kill him. It was just going to put him in his put him in stasis again. Well, that's why they were saying that. Oh, we'll try different brands. And oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. See which one's most effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess just get a whole bunch of them that week and leave them out. And if that doesn't kill them, move on to the next brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, but unfortunately. Well, while Jack did uh, survive, of course, uh, earlier this year, uh, we had the passing of Frank Kelly. Uh, we didn't actually bring it up. It's actually happened just before we started the podcast, and we haven't really addressed it yet. Uh, and Leanne did point it out that we didn't mention his passing on the first week we recorded. But uh, it was it was a great actor. He played the part perfect perfectly. Um, you know, we've only seen a th- we've only seen about a quarter of the Father Ted episodes in depth in this podcast so far, and he's already shown quite a quite a considerable range, considering the very very limited palette. Yeah, the very limited uh, palette and script he's working with. Considering most of his time is spent in a chair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I say most of his screen time is him sleeping in the background, and a lot of it is just him barking random words. But even when he does have a bit more nuance to his uh, to his deliveries, like even his physical comedy as well, like his facial expressions and stuff when he sees something he really likes, yeah, you know his his, his face lights up. Yes, and yeah. if somebody really hates, you can see like a snarling all funny. He's, he's a brilliant actor. Yeah, uh, concerned his character was comatose in a chart. He was able to give so much character to it. Well, one of the other ones I was just thinking that you mentioned that was when he was playing dead, so he didn't have to go on his walk to the to the cliffs on the first episode <laughs> and just the glee he, he has because he knows he's just being a pain in the arse and he yeah. knows he's just doing this to annoy them and he's just got this <laughs> look in his face when he just falls back and knows he'll like catch him yeah. uh, and it'll just be an, another you know just add another five minutes to their day because yeah. <laughs> uh, but he yeah, as I said he, he's done a lot of um, he's done a lot of work before Father Ted uh, primarily on a show called not Hancock's Half Hour, that's the English one. Uh, Hall's Pictorial Weekly, which was an RT radio uh, and television, I believe, RT radio or television, uh, where he played like a lot of sketches. Mm-hmm. And one of them was uh, a recording he did. Uh, well, it was a song he released around Christmas based on the 12 Days of Christmas. Have I played you this before? No, yeah. Um, but see, no, just, just you're saying, like, obviously, he's been a lot of things. Like, this is the only thing I know him from. It's the only thing I've ever seen him in. But. <laughs> Well, he's, it, al- he's also one of the only people from this show whose name I've always remembered. Frank Kelly as well. Yeah, like, uh, I knew Arlo Hanlon, but that wasn't because of Father Dead. I knew him because he did, like, My Hero as well. And then he obviously does stand-up and stuff as well. He's actually done quite a lot more than My Hero, and yet that's the only thing that I sort of brought strong to mind. Yeah, uh, but that's the only reason I knew his name. Um, Dermot Morgan. I never really knew his name offhand. You know, it's one of the things like I've seen his name and then look him up and be like, oh yeah, him, Ted. Whereas Frank Kelly, I always just knew the name, knew who he was and could go right to Father Ted with him. Yeah, even though he's almost unrecognisable without the t- Jack makeup on. <laughs> and um, he, as you say, like he, he has sort of, I wouldn't say transcend the show because people will still now identify him. Like all his obituaries were primarily, the headline was that he was Father Jack. Yeah. Uh, but he did have a character on Hank, on, on the um, sketch show uh, called Gubnut O'Lunacy and he released uh, a novelty Christmas record which was based on the 12 Days Christmas song mm-hmm. and basically he was responding uh, with a thank you note for the Christmas for the present that he received so on, my, on the first day of Christmas my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree mm-hmm. so he, he would send a little message oh thanks for the partridge oh thanks for the two turtle doves 
And eventually it came to, why is there eight lords of leaping in my fucking front room? <laughs> <laughs> there's birds shitting everywhere. And there's, <laughs> I can't get these geese. Where am I supposed to put them? And <laughs> uh, to the point where after the 12 days, he absolutely despises this, uh, this person, uh, dear, uh, I can't, oh fuck, even the name that they use, is, I'm going to try and find it, but even the name of the person who's sending these is funny, like, so I'll just, I'll play a little clip, I'll, I'll, I'll play a little clip of that to see us out, and I'll play it for you now, friends, uh, but I've been, thanks very much for listening once again to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast, we are now, finally, on iTunes, so you can like and subscribe us and give us a rating and review, uh, Vince is on the Flamosh channel, uh, do you want to tell us a wee bit about, it, about that, Vince? Um, on beam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I can't remember the webpage. It's beam.pro forward slash flimosh. Right, and uh, um, you on Twitter and everything? Yeah, on Twitter and everything else, flimosh. Um, at at flimosh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, nothing really happening with it. I've uh, spent all day getting annoyed trying to stream a game, and that's it. The big, the big new release of the week, which yeah, is Overwatch. Can't even stream it. Fuck's sake, computer can't handle streaming it at the same time. See, this was a, this is the hype machine does. See, see, gets you all worked up, gets everyone worked up, oh, and then they all go point. onto the servers at the same time. And nobody can get to play because the servers are choked. Oh no, yeah, ah. that's how that's how it works. My computer's just it's not the greatest, so <laughs> it just can't do both at once. So I've got to play the game or stream something else. Uh, well, I'm James I McAnesby on Twitter, and uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Ecumenical Matter, Facebook.com/EcumenicalMatters, uh, and hopefully you'll uh, subscribe and get, keep joining with us as we go into series two, uh, starting next week. You're now on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. I am on iTunes as I mentioned. Yeah. So leave us a rating and review, and get tell your friends and bless you. You really get saying that part, don't you? <laughs>